We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. to admit that I was uh, I was not on schedule to preach this week um, and I was um, on, on Wednesday morning I have been studying all week I always say to, my wife and I talk often about the fact that we oftentimes have to study to teach and whenever you're studying to teach you're just a you're just a conduit um, and whenever I get some time off I like to to study for myself um, and I study broad, you know, I just study concepts and that kind of thing. And, you know, Monday went well, Tuesday went well, and then I got to Wednesday and um, something shook me so that I, I, I came back upstairs after I got to upstairs and said, babe, I got to preach this Sunday. I got to talk to him this Sunday. And it was so profound to me, and I just want to share this with you. So here's the thing, right? I mean, you know me, most of you have been um, listening to me preach um, for a long time now, and uh, you know I'm pretty structured about the way that I go about it. Um, this is going to lack that structure, um, but I want to make sure that you get what God has to say this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to the book of, of John, chapter 6. We'll start at verse 52. The New King James Version is what we'll read. John chapter 6, verse 52, the New King James Version. I'm going to read a lot to give you a little. Is that all right? <laughs> John chapter 6, verse 52, and it says this. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father... So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. This thing, excuse me, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? Let me stop right there. I'm just going to pause right there. I'm not going to teach it too much because I want to get somewhere. When they say that this is a hard saying and who can understand it, this is more of an indictment upon Jesus. Not that they couldn't comprehend it, but they were saying, you're saying too much. They understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. Even it gets a little mm, out there. Jesus is talking about eating flesh and drinking blood and doing all this different stuff. They understood what he was saying. They were saying that you're asking of us too much. When have you ever felt that Jesus, God, has asked you for just a bit too much? This is a hard saying, preacher. 
verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascend where, where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not, who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Verse 65, and he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Now here's the two verses I want to give you. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. My shout amen. amen. After I get done sniffling, I can speak. Um, how do you respond when your expectation outseeds out or, or outpaces your experience? When you have an expectation of something, what, how do you respond to that? I have an expectation of it, and when I got it, it just wasn't it. How do you respond to that? I think women can kind of work with me on this. You ever be in the store and um, you see this shirt that goes with these jeans and you get this shirt at home with these jeans with the pair of shoes that I bought two weeks ago and this outfit is going to be the one. But when I put it on, it just, it just doesn't quite. My, the expectation was greater than the experience. When we have that experience, whatever it is, it can be with church, it can be uh, in a relationship, it can be in a marriage, that my expectation of this marriage um, is much greater than what I'm experiencing. Um, my, my expectation of my career is much greater than what I'm experiencing. Um, wh whenever we have that dynamic take place, and all of us have that dynamic take place, there is this debt that takes place inside of us, or a deficit that takes place inside of us. And what that, that is, 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 is specifically this. We say internally that my experience owes my expectation something because it didn't meet the expectation. There's a debt created. So we, 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 we continue. This is what we'll do. We'll continue to hold our experience accountable for the debt that I believe that it owes my expectation. Sometimes what will happen is if the, if the experience doesn't pay me the debt that I believe that it owes me, I will try to alter the experience to try and make sure that it meets the expectation that I have. Or even worse, sometimes I'll abandon the experience altogether and just make sure that I just bask in the experience that I thought I was going to get. And it causes us to be frustrated. It'll cause us to walk away from things that are good for us, that are, that are, that are, that are meaningful, things that mean something, that carry value. But, but we'll walk away from it simply because it didn't meet my expectation. And then oftentimes we feel, what am I supposed to do with this debt that I feel? 
You ever, oh gosh, you ever hold your, your, your spouse accountable for the debt that you feel? You ever hold your boss accountable for the debt that you feel? A sister or a sibling or whatever. You hold them accountable for this expectation, whether it be lofty, whether it be unfounded or not. You hold them accountable for this debt that you have inside of yourself. It's an internal thing. I, I recall, I think it was a couple years ago now, Tina and I were on, out, on, on the east side of town. I think we're out there for volleyball or something. I don't know. And we decided that we were going to go to our first apartment. What cracked me up was that when we got there, you know, when we, when we were, when it was happening, when we first moved in, we thought we were balling. This apartment right here, we come on the counter, and it was just, it was nothing. <laughs> it was, it was nothing. But I recall we pulled up on the property, and we got out, and you have to walk around the building in order to get to our, um, oh, it was so funny. We were like right there on the pond, which was in our minds a little lake. <laughs> So you had to walk around the building in order to get to our door, which was on the second floor. And she says to me, um, babe, you had this, this expectation of me that I could never meet. Now, I've always referenced the first few years of our marriage were not as good as they were now, or are now. And in our minds, where we are right now, it was terrible back then. But, it, but the truth be told, it was average. You know, we had our average issues. Right now, she lives in spiritual bliss. It's just it's what it is. But she turns to me and she says, babe, you, 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 you had this expectation of me that I could never meet. And I did have this lofty, unfounded, illogical um, expectation of marriage that I was holding her accountable for, but I never knew it. So all she did, the more that she did, the more she frustrated me. Because she never met my expectations, she never cleared the debt. So finally one day, and I say one day because I, I, I believe that this was God-ordained, I had to end up having two back surgeries back-to-back. -back. Two of them back-to-back. -back. And I was finally forced not to depend on her, but to finally experience her. Listen to me now. Not that she was taking care of me, you know, as, as it were, but I finally had to engage her and experience her. And when, listen to me now. When I finally experienced her, she was exceeding every expectation that I had, but I would never give her a chance to experience her because I felt like she owed me something because it wasn't meeting my expectation in the moment. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Once I finally experienced her, it changed our lives. Once she finally experienced me, it changed our lives. And here's the thing. This is what I want to get at. What hollow, shallow expectations do you have of God? What unfounded, unmerited expectations do you have of God that continues to frustrate you in the relationship that you have with him? What are you holding him accountable for that, that, that really has no merit? What are you holding him accountable for that is making you not experience, experience him in his fullness? Here's the thing. In any um, covenant relationship, I consider a marriage to be a covenant relationship. We're in a covenant relationship with God. 
there are expectations. I think it's right to have expectations. But we have to make sure that those expectations are rooted in what? Truth. Oh, gosh. You see, I, I, I saw on TV that this is what a wife is supposed to do. And I had this, this fairy tale thought of what she was supposed to do. And she owed me something because she was not meeting my expectation. Watch this. We oftentimes come to church and have this fairy tale, mystical thought of God and what he's supposed to do. And we're holding him accountable for something. He's saying, listen, man, listen, listen. I'm much more than that. What hollow expectations do you have of God? Jesus has just performed one of his uh, most social uh, miracles in scripture to date. He has just fed the 5,000, 5,000 plus. He's taken two fish and five loaves of bread, and he's fed the 5,000. People were going crazy because of what Jesus had done. They had never seen anything like that. And the tough part about this crowd that he was dealing with is that they were expecting this Messiah to come back and be king. And oftentimes, in their mind, a king is only about provision. So when they were expecting Jesus, this Messiah, to come and Jesus shows up and he does this miracle of bread, there's the king. Jesus performs this miracle, and he feeds the 5,000, and, 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 and it starts to spread like wildfire. It, it goes viral on Instagram. It, just, it goes all over the place on social media, what Jesus had done. And people start to come from everywhere because they heard and they experienced the provision that Jesus had provided in Galilee. Jesus does the miracle, and he leaves Galilee. Scripture says that he goes to Capernaum. Now, in between this, he, he does the miracle. He feeds the 5,000, and then he gets on the water. He walks on water, and then he gets to Capernaum, okay? People hear about what Jesus has done, and then everybody starts to come to the place where he had done the miracle. Everybody shows up. They said boats from Tiberia were coming, and, 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 and they came to the place where Jesus had been provisioned. But the Scripture says Jesus moved on from there. Oh, gosh. Are you looking for God in places that he's moved on from? Oh, gosh. Y'all. Yeah, 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 I do miracles. I do miracles. I'm a God of miracles, but I do so much more. Are you still looking for the God of miracles and not looking for the God of relationship? Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to perform the miracle and I'm going to feed and I'm going to be provisioned. I'm going to do all of that and I'm going to knock your socks off, but I'm moving on from here. And he gets to Capernaum. Let's read the scripture. Let's go to verse 66. From that time on, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Shout no more. Okay. Jesus does the miracle in Galilee. He gets on a boat. Take that back. He does the miracle in Galilee. He walks on water and he gets to Capernaum. Okay. Say yes people hear about the miracle that Jesus does. They come to the place where he was provisioned. He gets there, and where's Jesus? Jesus is left. So they get in a boat, and they get to Capernaum. They go to Capernaum. They get there. They see Jesus, and it is hilarious. You got to go back and read it. I wanted to read all of it, but I thought I would bore you. They get there, and they say, hey, Jesus, when you got here? And Jesus is like, listen, 
I know why you're here. You're here because you took part in what I had done. But they're here. Listen to me now. This is the powerful piece of this. They get before Jesus. Jesus has moved on from what he had done, and he is now in Capernaum. He's teaching there, and they come to Jesus, and they want Jesus to be for them in this moment what he was over here. Listen to me. They are blinded by their expectation of provision that they can't hear Jesus talking about purpose. Listen, oh, God, this is so good. So they get there, and all they're talking about is Jesus. We, we want bread, you know, the bread that our, that our ancestors had. You know, they, they rained down men. You rained down men on him. Well, well, what about us? We just want some bread. And Jesus starts to talk about eternity. He starts talking about commitment. He starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And they're saying, listen, bro, we're just here for some bread. Can we get some bread, Jesus? Jesus, I am the bread of life. But listen to this. Jesus is over here trying to get these people to experience now. Listen to me. Experience purpose. They're trying to. (laughs) They have this huge blinded expectation of Jesus for provision. And they show up in a place where everything can change because Jesus is teaching and they're blinded by what they want, their expectation. And they can't get the experience that Jesus is trying to give them. They show up with a hollow expectation of who Jesus is. Jesus says, I'll do a miracle. I do miracles. That's what I do. But I'm so much more. I'm so much more. He started talking to them about their eternal soul, and they wanted no part of it. And my question is this. When you show up here and you hear Jesus talking to you about your soul, about your being, about your spirit, does that resonate with you? Or should I start talking about Planes, trains, and automobiles. (laughs) Jesus says, I can do so much more. And you're here asking me about provision. Listen to me. People back in Galilee, the 5,000 plus, it was almost 15,000, they didn't ask Jesus for this. Y'all, listen to me, y'all gonna do better. They didn't ask Jesus to perform a miracle. He did it because he knew they needed it. He says, listen, y'all, we gotta feed these people. They've been here listening to me teach. Oh, God. He said, we got to feed these people because they've been listening to me teach all this time. Give them what they need. Oh, my gosh, y'all. I want you to understand this. If you're willing to sit here and listen to the word of God resonate in your spirit, he will give you what you need. You don't have to ask for it. Jesus is teaching about purpose, and they're over here looking at provision. they got this expectation of provision, and they can't experience purpose. And that is when, listen to me now, that is when, when most of us walk away. Because I tried God, and he didn't meet my expectation. <laughs> I went to Jesus myself. I went to him. I, had no, I asked him specifically for something, and he didn't give it to me. Listen to me now. The problem that we have with God is this. It's un- unlike everything else. God is unchangeable. 
He is not moved by situations. He is not moved by what you're dealing with, but he is moved by your heart. But when our expectations aren't met, we have the ability to change a thing. At least we think we do. If your expectations, let's be honest, don't be honest, don't say anything. Just sit there and act like I'm not talking to you. But when your expectations are not met by your spouse, you secretly try to change them. Not silently. When life does not meet your expectations, I change the situation. But here's the thing. The only difference between our situations that we control is that we can't control God. We can't make him move. He moves when he wants to. He's a sovereign God. So he doesn't move when you show up talking about provision because he's talking about purpose. Is this too deep for a Sunday morning? Watch this. In this moment, followers of him, disciples of him, turn from him and walk away. Never to return. They never return. They were followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I went through the, the, the difficulty of getting on a boat to cross a lake to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. Sing it. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. That was a good song. Y'all sounded good. But, oh, but when, when God d- 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 decides that he wants to be sovereign, when God decides that he wants to be God in your life, the hymn goes out the window. Because God, I need bread. I, I, I want bread. I want you to do that thing that you did. I want bread. And he's saying, I'm so much more. I want to give you purpose. And so many of us, so many of us are guilty of this. In those moments where he is God and he is, he, he's not moved by your emotion, he's not moved by your crying, he is being God and being what he is supposed to be, he's not moved by any of that stuff, we turn ourselves away from him. Now, you still show up at church, but I take a part of my heart and I'll keep it for myself. I'll, I'll take a part of my mind and I'll keep it for myself. Turn and listen to me. There are people who are sitting here today that show up every single week, ain't thought about God in months. So watch. Jesus goes through this dialogue with his so-called followers. And he says, um, basically what Jesus is saying is that if, if, if you're not going to commit This ain't going to work for you. He starts to say, eat my flesh, drink my blood. All these different things, which sounds like a bit cannibal-like. Jesus is a little rough. He didn't have to go there. 
But he's basically asking them, listen, I need a full commitment for you. And if you fully commit, then this thing will show up for you and, and eternally. Not temporary. Jesus is trying to get them to understand, I don't want my, my, my relationship with you to be superficial. I want it to be a real relationship. They turn and walk away. Now, Jesus is standing there and he's walking, watching this, this mass exodus of, 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 of so-called followers. Remember the 12. These are Jesus' boys. These are his ride or dies. All these people leave Jesus in that moment because of what he says. And Jesus turns to the 12 and says, do you want to leave too? It struck me that Jesus asked that question. Why would he, he knows everything. He knew what people thought. He proved it to us in scripture. But he turns and asks them, do you want to leave too? Watch this. And this is what blew me away. Read from 66. He says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked away from him no more. Then Jesus said to him, to, to, to the 12, do you also want to go away? Watch verse 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to this. I know that we're all Bible scholars. We read our Bible every day. And we know um, Simon Peter. Know who Simon Peter is. He, he speaks erratically. Um, he oftentimes speaks with no foundation. You know, he speaks out of turn, erroneously, all these different things. He never says the right thing. Peter always says the wrong thing at the wrong time. But after Peter sees all of this takes place and the question that Jesus poses to him, this is the one time in scripture that I will say it was profound. His response was profound. Watch this. People leave. Jesus says, do you want to go as well? Peter, always speaking for the 12, he looks back at him. He says, uh, well, I got I to be honest, Jesus. We thought about it. I mean, to see all these people walk away from you, they're walking away for a reason. There's got to be some merit to it. But Jesus, after we've talked it over, after we've, you know, deliberated with each other, To whom shall we go? Listen now. That statement, y'all, is so powerful. Because what, what he was saying in that moment is that you, Jesus, exceeded our expectations once we experienced you. To whom shall we go? There's nobody else out there that we can go to. There's nobody greater than you. What, what Peter was saying is that I've tasted and I have seen and I've experienced your love. And there is nobody, nobody greater than you, God. So be, because I've experienced you, <laughs> you now set the expectation. Yeah. 
because I know what to expect now because of my experience with you. So what you're saying right now, I know it's only for my good. I know it's only for my spirit. I know it's only for my soul because I know, God, listen to me. I know, I know, I know that you do miracles over there. Oh, gosh. But you want me to walk in my purpose over here. And that is the conversation we've been having all this time. He says, Jesus, I've been spending every waking moment with you since you started your ministry. And I've come to believe, watch this now, and know. He says, I have, we, we've, we've come to, watch the words. Come to means that I wasn't always here. <laughs> he says, we've come to know you. We've come to believe you. That only comes through experiencing. It only comes through experiencing. So what Peter does in this moment is pose a question to us. Do you believe and do you know? Do you believe and do you know? Because what Peter basically says in, in his response to Jesus, I've searched my mental Rolodex and all of the engagements that I've had with people. And I hear Rabbi so-and-so, he's doing a great job over there, and he's got a whole lot of followers. And he was an option. He was an option. No, you know what, Jesus, I, I thought about the experience that I had when I was a child, and, and I just couldn't trust anybody. And I was thinking about going back to this alcohol thing. I was thinking about going back to it because I want to feel some comfort. I want to feel some peace in my life. And I was going to go to that, and I was thinking about that. And I processed all that stuff. And I was thinking about, Lord, to be honest with you, I was thinking about taking my life because I don't even think I can do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm thinking about it, and I've thought about all these things. To whom shall we go? To what shall we go? To what shall we go? Who can I turn to that can do me better? Lord, I spent too much time with you, and you have changed my heart, and nobody can do what you've done for me. So to whom shall I go? Oh, gosh. God, I don't always agree. <laughs> Sometimes you throw me for a loop because I think you should show up here and you show up over there. But I've come to reconcile with myself. To whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? Jesus, there's nobody greater than you, man. Do you recognize how big of a statement that was? When everybody is grabbing for the attention of you, everything on social media is trying to poke at your emotions and your feelings and your heart. And you can look at all of that and see all the options out there and say, to whom shall I go? That means that you had the experience. And you abandon your expectations. So that now you can have what he truly wants you to have. He says, listen, I want to give you eternal life. I do miracles. Yes, I do miracles. But I want your soul. I want to know that I've got this thing locked up for eternity. I want your soul. 
Listen to me. So if it means that I have to pull you out of that broken family, that dysfunctional family, so that you can know that I'm a God of miracles, I'm only delivering you over here so that you can, so that you can know me in eternity. Listen to me, y'all. That's the only reason why I did it. God is saying that is the only reason why you sit here today so we can have this dialogue about your purpose, oh God, so that we can talk through your, the, the issues of your soul and the problems in your heart. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? <laughs> People laugh at me. My family specifically because, they, you know, daddy loves Eddie V's. He just loves Eddie V's. And I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. It might have been James. I was saying to him, I was like, listen, I don't like Eddie V's because it, it's like fancy and it costs a lot of money. But I've tasted steaks elsewhere. And, and, if, and if I'm going to spend my, spend my good hard-earned money, I'm going to get the best. Peter says, I've tasted a few other things. But I mess around and got a body of you. And to whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? What else can I do, God? My wife was asking me this morning, she says, are you impressed with the man that you've become and, and all these things? And I said, well, I don't think about it much. I just kind of do it. I don't even process it. And she says something. We were, we were coming around the bend getting off the 414. She says, well, when you look back over your life, it'll make you appreciate it. Because I've been in some other stuff. I've made some different decisions. I've been in some bad relationships. I've been under the grasp of some, some negative people and some people who didn't love me, who didn't care about me. And as I came, oh gosh, she didn't know she was preaching my message, but as I came off the bed and I said to myself, Lord, to whom shall I go? Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.